In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read in the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 6, when the disciples of Christ are speaking to him, and they're asking him to teach them how to pray. They saw actually um, the disciples of John the Baptist, that they were praying, and they said, well, Lord, teach us also to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And so in this chapter, Christ speaks about the, the, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer, that we speak, uh, that, that we pray very often. And actually, this prayer for us is a model of how is it that we should pray, because this is the words that Christ himself said, that when we pray, we should pray this. And we read in verse 6, one of the characteristics of this prayer is that we should do it um, in silence or in, 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 in seclusion. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This does not mean that we shouldn't pray our Father or pray in general in, in public. It means that there is a prayer that is a private prayer. There is a prayer that is not just the prayer of the assembly, but is the prayer that is coming like from my heart, even when I'm praying, when no one sees. And then this is my personal communication and contact with God. So I want to speak briefly today about five main points. The first thing is what is prayer? The second one is what should we pray? The third is when we should pray, why we should pray, and unanswered prayer. So the first one, what is prayer? We read in 1 John chapter 5, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Prayer is this communication with God. Prayer makes us to remember that God is present with us. Sometimes we go our entire day or entire week very much focused on the tasks that we have to do and the things that we're involved in, and we don't take a moment to even think, God is with me, God is present, God is here. So sometimes when we go through difficulties and challenges, we don't think to turn to him for help or for guidance or for comfort because we feel very much focused on what is it that I have to do in the moment. And so part of prayer is, is, is realizing the presence of God, realizing that God is present with me. And because I, I know that he is present, I have a different outlook and a different viewpoint on life. I don't see things in the same perspective as if I would if God were not present. I know that he is there. I know that he is influencing things. I know that he is working on my behalf as my advocate. I know that he is doing good in my life. And I know that he is powerful and that he loves me. All those things cause us to walk through life with a different attitude, a different mentality. That not only am I feeling that I have always a constant companion with me, but that he is knowing what is best for me and is not allowing me to be harmed. So this communication with God and awareness of his presence um, is very important. Also, this prayer that we are praying is part of the restoration of our state back to the Garden of Eden, the way that God created us from the beginning. When God created us in the beginning, we were in constant communion with God in His presence all the time. But we became separated from Him because of our sin. So when we pray, we are restoring again the type of union that, that, that Adam and Eve had with God from the very beginning. To them, prayer was just normal conversation. To them, prayer was speaking to God who was in front of them. That it says that even after they sinned and they hid from God, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, which means that they always heard the presence of God. They always saw God. They always heard God walking. They always saw him. They always experienced him. They knew what it was like to be with him. And prayer helps us to recapture that, to, 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 to be restored to that state again, to where we can feel that God is a reality. God is not just someone that I speak about or I hear about or I, you know, 
go to the liturgy and we talk about him, God is very personal to me and that I communicate with him on a regular basis. That is what is prayer. What about what should we pray? That was the main focus today of the gospel reading when Christ was speaking to the disciples and he told them that the Lord's Prayer. And he started out and he said, what, our Father in heaven, right? We are identifying that God is in heaven, but he is also on earth. God is, you know, we are on earth, but we are speaking to the one who is in heaven because he hears us, because he is not far away. He is above all things, but he has allowed himself to come near to us so that he will hear us. And then we, he says, hallowed be your name, meaning we are showing reverence to God. Sometimes people use the name of God in blasphemy. We use the name of God in cursing. We use the name of God in, like, in a way that, that kind of sets us up in rebellion against him. But here we're saying we, we show reverence to the name of God, that when we call out to God, we are not calling out to him to tell him, this is what I want you to do and this is what you must do, but we are calling out to him in humility. We're saying we acknowledge who you are, that you are above all, and yet you have allowed yourself or to, to, to suffer for our sake. And yet you, you, you hear us from heaven and you can um, uh, hear our prayer and, 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 and do what it is that we're asking you to do. Then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we say this, we are saying what? Just as God has dominion over heaven, just as every angel in heaven does exactly and only what God commands him to do, just as everything is done and there is no sin in heaven, there is no rebellion in heaven, there is nothing against the will of God in heaven, we are saying just as the, your dominion reigns in heaven, we want your dominion to reign on the earth. Which specifically means we want your dominion to reign in us. Because everything on the earth operates according to the rules that God has set, except for us. Because we, with our own will, we choose to disobey God. We choose to disobey him. So when you say, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning we want to conform, we want to be obedient to you the way the angels are obedient to you. We want the earth to be a part of heaven. We want everything here to conform to your will, just like heaven conforms to your will. And, th and this is what we're asking. Let your will be done on earth. We're saying, change us so that we can conform to your will and we can do what is you want so that earth can become heaven. So it makes you think, what exactly is the difference between earth and heaven? You know, and, and God is present in heaven and God is present on earth. It is not that God is more present in heaven than on earth. He, he, he's everywhere. He's present equally everywhere. So what makes earth earth and what makes heaven heaven? Actually, it's us. It's our disobedience that has caused the earth to not become heaven, right? The Garden of Eden, which we call paradise, was on earth. It wasn't in some heavenly place. It was on earth. Actually, the book of Genesis speaks about the four rivers that came out of the, you know, the Garden of Eden, right? It's a, it's a place. It was a place on earth. And so what caused the earth that we now know and understand to be the earth? It was the disobedience of man, right? So the difference between heaven and earth is not some celestial, you know, thing that, you know, we, we think about it and we think like, you know, heaven is a certain way because it's like some far off distant place. You know, the, the, the difference between earth and heaven is that earth, we have ceased to obey God. And so this place, this land has been corrupted. It is not because it is fundamentally different than heaven, right? Because like we said, God is everywhere. So we are asking God, have, have dominion over the earth. Restore the earth again to be like heaven, which is what you originally intended. He goes on and he says, what? Give us day by day our daily bread. Meaning what? Give us our needs. 
right? We are acknowledging him as being the giver, the one who gives, the source of good things that he gives to us. This is what, this is who he is. Give us day by day our daily bread. We acknowledge that we do not get our needs on our own, just like the Israelites when they wandered in the desert, right? They acknowledged that they had no means they could sustain themselves. There was no way that they could sustain themselves. So they relied 100% on God to send them this bread from heaven. And this is what we are saying to God. Is we have no means to sustain ourselves, and not just physically, but spiritually, our own lives and our own spiritual lives. We have no way to sustain ourselves. We ask you, O God, to sustain us, to give, you, to give us the things that we need. And then we ask him to forgive us our sins, right? We admit our sins before God. Meaning we acknowledge that he is merciful. We acknowledge that we have sinned. We acknowledge that he can forgive, right? All of these things are, are important for us to understand that we acknowledge our sin, but at the same time, we acknowledge God's mercy and goodness to forgive us of the sins we commit. Also, forgi we, for we also forgive our debtors. We're saying to God, I forgive others just as you forgive me. We are making a commitment to God. We are making a commitment to say, God, I, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive those people who are in my life that have harmed me in some way. I'm going to make a commitment to forgive them. I'm not, I'm not going to hold a grudge against them. And then finally, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Meaning even in this prayer, we're acknowledging that there is an enemy that is fighting against us. And this concept of evil, you know, we don't say deliver us from evil. We say deliver us from the evil one. Meaning there is a person who is the source of evil. There is the person who has rebelled against God, who is the source of deception, the source of lies, the source of evil in the world. And he is the one that we are asking God for protection from him, right? And so we acknowledge his presence. We acknowledge that he works contrary to God, and we're asking God to protect us, and, and that we also admit our weakness. We're saying, I cannot overcome him by myself. I cannot overcome the devil by my own strength, by my own cleverness. No, it's only through the work of God that we can overcome him. him. So he's saying, do not lead us into temptation. Help us and protect us from temptation. This is very briefly a model of the prayer that Christ gave. This is why we pray this, we pray this prayer so often, because these are the actual words of Christ that he told us to pray when he spoke to the apostles. But what we shouldn't do is get into the mode because we pray this prayer often, is we just kind of pray it without thinking, which is a temptation that we have. Sometimes we, we go through this prayer and other prayers and we just say them very quickly without thinking, right? We should try to think about these words. Think about what is it that we're actually saying to God and what does it mean? So when should we pray? Here in Matthew 6, 6, again, it says, what well, when you pray, go into your room, right? And, and it's like a, a secret prayer, a secret prayer of the heart. There's also, the, the scripture speaks about repetition in prayer. When we say what, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Um, so why, um, when we speak about the Jesus prayer, there's a very famous book called The Way of the Pilgrim. And in this book, this pilgrim that's wandering around Russia, he's seeking to understand how to have unceasing prayer so that he can pray all the time. And he's training himself on this prayer called the Jesus Prayer. The Jesus Prayer is when we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we pray it over and over and over. And, and, and this pilgrim would say it thousands of times every day. And the more that he said it, the more he felt like his heart was changing. The more he felt the presence of God in his life. And so when, when St. Paul is telling us to pray without ceasing, we, we have to try to understand what does that mean? What does it mean that I pray 
without ceasing. King Solomon, when he was speaking about the temple that he built in the Old Testament, he says in 1 Kings 8.27, he says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. He's saying, how is it that this temple that, that Solomon built could contain God, that God could be in, its, in it? And the conclusion is God is not in it. God is not confined to it, just like God is not confined to the church, which is why the times that we pray should not be the only times when we are in church, because it's not like God is present here more than he is present in your house. He is present equally everywhere. So God is telling us, reach out to me, communicate with me, pray to me at all times, pray without ceasing. So if we were really to pray without ceasing, how is it that we would pray? Because that would mean that we'd have to stop all other activity because we have to be focusing on this prayer that we're praying. In this book, The Way of the Pilgrim, there is this professor who is speaking to uh, a monk about this idea of the, the praying without ceasing and the Jesus prayer. And he tells him, it's not possible for me as a professor to pray all the time because I'm having to use my mind in my work. You know, all of us, we have jobs and we work and we focus on things. And during that time, I can't stand up and pray. I can't say the Our Father prayer. I can't do any of those things because I only have one mind. I can only think on the one thing at a time. And so this monk, he, he's speaking about this and he says, let me give you an example. Let's say that you are in the throne room of a king and you're in his throne room. And even though you might have work to do and you're sitting there in the throne room doing work, you still never lose sight of the fact that you are in the throne room of the king, that you are there, that the king is there in your presence, even though you might not be actively talking to him with words because you're focusing on something else, you never forget that you're in the throne room. You never forget that the king is present. And so he was using this as an example for us to say what, that even though our minds are occupied, and even though we're thinking of different things that are necessary to be thinking of, and yet we can always experience the presence of God when we just have this Sub subconscious knowledge and awareness all the time that God is with us. And this is what this training is about. And a big part of the Jesus prayer is reminding us all the time that, that God is present, that, that he is with us, and he is not somewhere far away. So w when we answer the question of when we should pray, the answer should be all the time. We should be praying all the time. Our prayer should not be limited to any one form or any one place or any one time. It should be constantly, all the time, reminding ourselves of God's presence and talking to him telling him about how we feel, telling him about what's happening in our lives. Even though, yes, God already knows all these things, but, but we want to tell. We, we want to tell him because he is our father, because we want to share with him how is it we're feeling. Also, when we pray, we should be very persistent. You know, Christ um, in the scriptures speaks about several examples of the persistence of prayer. And he says one example is the example of a friend who comes to another friend's house in the middle of the night and asks him for bread. And he keeps knocking on the door persistently saying, I need bread, I need bread. You know, back then they didn't have like grocery stores. You know, somebody could go and trying to, you know, they're hungry, they don't have any food, right? So they would go to a neighbor's house in the middle of the night because they, they literally don't have any food and there's no other place for them to get food. So it was important. And yet when this friend was sleeping, didn't want to get up in the middle of the night to open the door and give him bread, he says, but because he was so persistent and just didn't stop knocking, he felt embarrassed and he went and got up and he gave him the bread, right? Even if he didn't do it out of love, 
You know, even if he didn't do it because he really cared about his friend, but he did it just because his friend was persistent. And I'm sure in our own lives, we have experiences with people that are very, very, very persistent. And we end up giving them what it is that they ask for simply because they don't stop asking for it. And we know that we're never going to get any peace until we, we give them what it is that, we, that they ask from us. So God is using this example why. He's not saying this because he is not loving or he doesn't want to give us good things. He's giving us this example because he's saying if this unrighteous person who has no love in his heart is even willing to give because a person was persistent, how much more is God going to give us when we are persistent? Who is a loving and good father, who does want to give us good things. When we are persistent with him, he hears. The reason sometimes that God doesn't give immediately is because he wants to see our faith. Sometimes we think, I'm going to ask God for something and I'm expecting that it's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, I stop asking, I give up, I lose faith. God wants us to maintain our faith, saying, you know what, God didn't give it to me, but there's a reason why. It's not because it's not good necessarily and it's not because God doesn't hear. I'm going to keep asking for it and maybe God is going to answer me in one way or the other. So it's important for us. Christ said to us, what ask and you will and you will and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. This is what he said. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking and eventually you will receive. What exactly we will receive? Sometimes we receive exactly what we asked. But sometimes we receive something else. Sometimes we receive something better than what we asked. Another um, issue that we have when it comes to prayer is this idea of the, the boredom that can come on us whenever we try to pray. Um, and we feel that prayer is just a, a routine and something that we go through the motions and we do it and we and we do it maybe without any joy and we do it without any kind of newness. So how do we understand this um, newness um, in prayer? You know, like we eat every day and I think if you, if you really look at what the food is that we eat, there's probably maybe 10, 20 things that we eat and those are probably the only things we eat. When you think about in our own house, what is it that we cook in our homes to eat? It's probably a very limited number of dishes, and we keep repeating them, repeating them, repeating them over and over and over. And we go through our entire lives essentially eating, for the most part, the same foods that we are used to eating. Everybody has their own foods that they eat. But these same foods that we eat on a regular basis, these foods are what sustain our life, right? We don't go every day and we say, you know what, I need to eat something completely different and that's more exciting than the foods that I've already eaten. Maybe sometimes we like that. We like to eat different foods that we haven't eaten before. But the very basic day-to-day -day sustenance that keep our lives going is pretty much the same basic foods um, day after day. The same is true with prayer. What keeps our spiritual life going? What sustains our spiritual life? It is, doesn't have to be some kind of new and amazing experience that we have in prayer, but just the day-to-day -day regular prayer that we should be praying to help sustain us, to keep us spiritually strong. <clears throat> and again, this is the importance of perseverance. Okay? We don't want to focus on the idea that I'm bored or not. It's not about being bored. Maybe when we eat food, we're also bored. Maybe it's not really that exciting. Maybe it's the same food again that we've eaten. Um, it, it, King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he says, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. There is no new experiences. Everything that we experience is stuff that people have experienced before. And there is nothing new. And the same is with true with prayer also. Our focus on prayer is to be consistent in prayer, to be diligent in prayer, and not necessarily to do a new type of prayer or a new type of activity or something new. Because our focus should not be on the emotional experience that we have during prayer. Because that is not the fruit of prayer. 
Sometimes we think the fruit of prayer is feeling good in the moment. The fruit of prayer is walking out of my prayer and feeling that was successful. That was a good prayer. I like that prayer. Hopefully tomorrow I'll have a prayer like that. But that's not realistic, right? And the fruit of prayer is not the emotion. Actually, the emotion that I feel is just very short-lived and then it goes away and then I go back to my normal life again, right? The fruit of prayer is holiness, meaning that over time, as I am consistent in prayer, I change, I'm transformed, I become a different person, I become more loving, more forgiving, kinder. All these things, these virtues, they come to us through prayer, but they come over a long period of time. So we have to keep being persistent in this for a long period of time. In Ezekiel 36, Uh, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is what we long for and what we ask God for is give me this heart of flesh and keep renewing me. I am the one that's becoming new. It is not that the the exterior of the prayer, what I, what I, the actions that I do, I'm, I'm changing them or making them different. It is by doing the same thing over and over, I become newer and newer and newer and changing all the time. It's kind of like if you take like a, like a sheet that's dirty and you wash it, the sheet becomes new. And then when it gets dirty again, you wash it the exact same way again and it gets, it gets clean again, right? So it's like we keep repeating the same action, but every time it has the result of cleaning, cleansing and purifying. Why should we pray? Like we said it before, prayer is a physical activity that affects our spiritual state, Right? When we were speaking about the sacraments, we said what sacraments have to have a physical component because without the physical component, we we wouldn't be able to do them. We are unable to do purely spiritual activities, right? It's very hard for us to do an activity that's purely spiritual, that has no physical component at all because we are physical. We are a combination of physical and spiritual. We have bodies and spirits. So God is telling us, here is how you engage with me. When you engage with me, You have to engage your body and you have to engage your spirit. So when we pray, prayer is a physical activity that has a spiritual result. When we pray, we are speaking to God or we are thinking about God or we are doing prostrations or we are doing some physical act that's intended to create, to stir our spirits, to to stir our spiritual life and, and help us to draw closer to God. This is something very important for us to, to understand. We, we are praying to draw closer to God and we have to do this in a physical way because there is no purely spiritual thing that we can do without having some kind of physical component to it. The last point I want to make is um, unanswered prayer. You know, we might be praying and we might be asking God and we might be persevering even, but yet God does not give. Does, does not give us what it is that we're asking for. And there are many reasons why this might be. One is what we're asking for might not be in the will of God. And, and, you know, we say this, but, you know, maybe we've experienced times where we've asked for something and we've expected that if we received it, everything would be wonderful and our lives would be great. And then we ended up getting it and realized that it wasn't anything like we thought it was. It wasn't as good as we imagined. And actually, it wasn't really that good at all. And so we wish we'd never even had received it. So the idea is, is we are limited in our understanding. We are limited in our perception. We don't know. Maybe this thing that we think is so good that we're asking God for, maybe it's not as good as we imagine it to be. So when God doesn't give it to us, he's, giving it, he's not giving it to us because of his mercy, because he doesn't want us to suffer from it, because we don't understand the consequence of it. 
Another reason we, we might have unanswered prayers is that we give up. We stop asking. We don't persevere. I ask once or twice and then I stop. I don't, I'm not really focusing on it so much. Whereas another person that maybe does persevere in faith, maybe they will receive. Another, um, another reason we might have unanswered prayer is because we're asking for the wrong things or for the wrong reasons. James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. For if I go and ask God for a billion dollars, okay, well, what is my motivation for asking for this? Well, to, to spend it on myself, right? It's an indulgence. This is what I'm asking God for. It says, what, are we asking for something that God wants for us? Are we asking for something that is edifying to us? Or are we asking on something simply for pleasure, for our personal kind of selfish gain? And the last reason I'm going to mention here about unanswered prayer is we might not receive because we are living in sin. You know, we're living a, a sinful lifestyle. And so I'm not, I'm not at that place where God is able to give to me. I don't have the strong connection. This pipeline between me and God is very corroded, right? So maybe God is speaking to me. Maybe God is communicating to me. Maybe God is trying to give me a lot of things, but I don't see it. I don't comprehend it. I don't perceive it. I don't understand it. And I don't hear him responding, right? Because prayer is two-way. I'm, I'm praying to God and God responds. So maybe I don't hear the response. And when I say God responds, it doesn't mean he, he speaks with words necessarily. Usually not, right? He, he speaks in another way. He speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through scripture. He, he speaks in a, in, a, in a way that if we are like spiritually active and alert, we will notice it, we will see it, we will respond to it. But if we are not, we don't see it. We don't, we don't, we're not aware of it. It's kind of hidden from us. So in conclusion, we spoke today about five main points. We said, what, first is what is prayer? The second, what should we pray? Christ spoke to his disciples about the Lord's prayer. When we should pray, we should pray all the time. We should pray without ceasing. Four, why should we pray? We're praying to approach God, to be close to him, to grow in holiness and virtue. And five, why is it that we have sometimes unanswered prayers? So may God strengthen our prayer life and remind us that prayer is a vital and important part of our life and that we should always be growing in it and always kind of seeing God in, in our everyday life and hearing him responding to us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.